Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elgerson, and as always, we have Angel Mendoza in the house. Hello, world. And special guest this week is our director of strategy, Adam Sine. Adam, say hello. You know what? I think it's senior director of strategy. It's executive, actually. Executive. Oh, oh my. Oh, yeah. Dang. I didn't know that. Get up to your signature or your business cards. Um, so before we get into today's episode, let me just give you a quick background on the lab and what we do here. So the IPG Media Lab is a specialized group dedicated to innovation working across the interpublic network. For over a decade, we've been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior and media consumption, and providing our clients with actionable insights to help navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. So welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. So Angel, what are we talking about this week? Retail, retail, retail. All right. Adam, any thoughts on that? (laughs) There's a lot going on in the space today. One might say it's an apocalypse. There is a death happening. (laughs) There's a a lot of headlines being tossed around. There's so many uh, clickbaity headlines about retail right now. Uh, But it's it's true. There's a a big... um, evolution of retail that's happening right now. Uh, We're seeing retail catch up to a lot of other industries in terms of coming online and uh, being sort of digitally focused and focused on consumers that are are digital first. Um, It's been a long time coming. Obviously, Amazon has been leading the pack there, but we're now at the point where we're starting to see more and more brick and mortar retailers uh, convert to digital uh, not just for fulfillment, but also for um, using digital technologies to customize and personalize their in-store experiences as well. Got a lot going on there. I would say I didn't even time that. So, Angel, you want me, you want me to time you and try and try and compete or uh, not? So oh, much? yeah. Yeah. No, do oh, it. yeah. Do, it, do, do it. it. All right. All right. Here you we go. You guys can't see this, but I'm rolling up the sleeves. <laughs> His you ready? were already rolled. I would say they were already rolled. <laughs> oh. <laughs> guys, guys. All right. So in three, two, one, go. Physical retail is going through a tough year with record number of stores closing this year. Analysts are blaming this trend on more and more people buying online and that are simply not going into stores. And when they do go into stores, they're usually treating it as a showroom or pickup point. What we're seeing today is that retailers are trying to adapt quickly in order to differentiate themselves and win back customers. So for example, some are partnering with other retailers, others are changing their entire in-store experience, and even experimenting with new business models. For example, Overstock, investing and developing a blockchain-focused division. Boom. 40 seconds. 40 seconds, 0.72. So well done. Is that a record? What's um, high score mean? Did I break it? No. I believe Ben still holds the high score for like 20 seconds on one of the early episodes. You know, some topics are just easier to it's talk true. about on sound bites. That's it true. doesn't count if it's not published. <laughs> so I'm just well, saying. We'll see. Wait, we'll who's see. Ben? I thought he was. <laughs> oh, Ben. Our audience doesn't know who Ben is. <laughs> yes, he, oh, he was on a few episodes ago. He was on the. Um, episode two. Episode two and three. Angel, well done. And I just, there's a very interesting little bit from Wikipedia as well that this phenomenon that's going on about retail, there's just been so much news that Wikipedia now has an entry solely dedicated to the retail apocalypse. So this thing has gone way mainstream. Yeah, I mean, I think the the media 
headlines around retail apocalypse are noteworthy. Obviously, there's been a lot of retailers who are closing stores or declaring bankruptcy, like we saw with Toys R Us, which was one of the like largest ones, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's really just a, this readjustment in the U.S. Um, and, and a lot of this is U.S. focused. Um, it's really this readjustment because uh, we in the U.S. we've had so many more, like the the average square footage per capita in the U.S. is like double what the the next uh, highest country is. So we we overextended our our brick and mortar retail footprint mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago, like. 20 or 30 years ago. And now we're just seeing the readjustment of that back to sustainable levels. So it's easy to blame it all on Amazon. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's it's really about giving people what they want. And Amazon is doing that in one instance. And uh, other brick and mortar retail is doing that in a different way. Yeah. And on top of that, we've been seeing the shift to commerce on mobile or on um, online for years now. So it's amazing that some retailers have still haven't invested or made that shift into um, allowing this frictionless purchasing online. Yeah, and to put some stats behind, I would say, both of those points, when it comes to commerce uh, from eMarketer, there's about 80% of adults that today shop online and 70% are buying online. So having an online presence is... 100% necessary. I do all my shopping online. I haven't walked into a mall in years. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and, all, and that's also in part because online e-commerce, this convenience and low price, it just, it just makes a lot of sense. And then Adam, to your point before, you know, where the, the U.S., we've, they have about on average, it's 23.5 square feet of retail space per person compared to uh, 16.4 square feet in Canada and 11.1 square feet in Australia. And those are like the, like the next uh, two countries with the mo- most retail per uh, capita. So so what we're, what we're taking away from this is that all of brick and mortar retail is driven by English language speaking populations <laughs> pretty pretty much <laughs> no one cares about brick and mortar retail in other parts of the world <laughs> but also another i would say factor into this whole apocalypse that uh, the media isn't really talking to is that there are large amounts of retail debt that's coming to maturity within the next five years uh, bloomberg has, has a whole report on this and we'll also put it in the show notes uh, but normally retailers are able to refinance to avoid filing for bankruptcy and that was what target was trying to do they had, were struggling to re- refinance uh, $400 million of their $5 billion in debt. And, you know, their results are mostly stable and they were you know, having some profitability increases amid a small drop in sales. But it would have been, you know, likely for them to be refinanced if there wasn't this big negative connotation on the retail industry today. And all this debt that's coming out is just a very small portion of this the larger amounts that it's like a trillion dollars in debt that's coming out uh in like the, in, in like the, like the next five years so it's just gonna be harder and harder for these retailers to refinance and yeah but i think i think the important takeaway there is that a lot of the bankruptcies and closures you're seeing are not actually related to competition from online right um, it seems right. like like that's the easy answer. Um, instinctually, that's where we want to go. But a lot of this has to do with a lot of uh, banking and finance behind the scenes action that has deals that were made a decade ago. Right. Well, is this for expansion? Do we know that a majority of that debt is to open up more and more stores or it, did they give any specific reasons in that article? It was, I believe it was just for 
stores and retail physical space going into that. So the idea of those overextending yeah. themselves, it's like they, they had these stores that were way too big for the actual amount of people that would come in and spend the money. Hence the whole yeah. square foot per capita uh, factoid yeah. we have going on. And that's funny enough because that's what we saw with Starbucks. Because I remember at one point they were just expanding rapidly. And then when Harold Schultz, Howard Schultz came back, he actually started closing down stores because they were just cannibalizing each other. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've seen a major like over expansion of retail in the US. I think that's the, the takeaway right. is that you don't need to have a store. Even Starbucks doesn't need to have a store on every block. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, as more and more uh, retail shifts to online, um, some of those locations might be useful as distribution points. But at the end of the day, you don't need a distribution point on every block. Um, and uh, consumers don't want that and they don't expect it and they don't need it. Right. So I think we should talk about some of the notable headlines this year that have happened in the world of retail. And I can start us off with, I think, the largest uh, piece of drama that went on was that Amazon acquired Whole Foods for $13.4 billion. Uh, We're not going to go completely into the whole background and analysis of this purchase. If you're looking for that, you can check out Ben Thompson's uh, podcast about it. They have a fantastic breakdown of it and we can link it to the show notes. But that was, I think the biggest piece of news that kind of came out in the retail space. And that's a one fun fact before we kind of get into some discussion is that the stock jumped so much after this purchase that they pretty much got it for free. So they spent 13.4 billions, but then made a billion dollars on the actual deal itself. Yeah. Great. Smart investing strategy. Yeah, I mean, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I love a free grocery store chain. <laughs> Who doesn't? So for me, and this is a bit unrelated. What I came across and I found super interesting is that Lord and Taylor has been doing a few things in this space. One with WeWork, but the other that I have here is that they're planning to open up a flagship storefront on Walmart.com, which I find fascinating. Because Walmart is revamping their fashion yeah. like strategy. Yeah. I'm super interested to see how the Lord and Taylor thing works out. Um, obviously, literally, I think within 24 hours of Amazon buying Whole Foods, uh, Walmart bought Bonobos, which obviously is sort of high-end men's fashion. Um, so it's like Walmart is trying to revamp themselves into a brand that uh, has high-end reach. Personally, I, I think it's a weird strategy. I feel like if Walmart wants to have a high-end brand, they should launch a different brand, maybe use Bonobos or Lord & Taylor or whoever. Um, but like, I don't like the way that we've... <laughs> I think it's going to be difficult for Walmart to straddle the low end value conscious, you know, price cutting consumer market as well as high end fashion. Like that's it's just really difficult for a single brand to do that. And that that's fine. They can have a house of brands and and they should um, if that's the direction they're going to go. But uh, it seems weird to me that they're not segmenting that that Lord and Taylor is going to be in Walmart and not maybe in in Bodebo's like guide shops instead. Yeah. Good point. I think that also plays into this overall kind of concept that we've been seeing of that you have to be a more high end boutique brand or you have to be on the more convenient side or where you're just uh, there for like the price factor and it's 
more 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 lower end. And I think the uh, founder, or not, excuse me, not the founder of Nike, but the president of Nike uh, brand, Trevor Edwards, uh, has a fantastic quote saying that undifferentiated, mediocre retail won't survive. So it's it's really saying that you really have to be on either end of the spectrum, and just being in the center isn't going to work anymore. Because, like for example, Nike, they are I think they have about thirty thousand retailers, and they're now focusing on only a select few that are now providing a more superior experience. So, you know, consumers want a better experience and you have to pick boutique, well-defined experience or a more differentiated product base. And a perfect example is Tiffany's opening up the Blue Box Cafe at their Fifth Avenue flagship store. So now you could have breakfast at Tiffany's. Literally, that's, that's my dream. That's phenomenal. <laughs> that's my dream. I've always wanted to. Now I can I feel, do it. I feel like this is Tiffany's giving in to the, the retail trend of, of mixed-use uh, cases. And there historically have always been tons of people who show up at Tiffany's and don't understand that you can't like you can't actually get breakfast there. Apparently, they've, they've never actually watched <laughs> yeah. the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. They've just heard of the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. I hear you guys do great brunch at Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah. Can we schedule this? Because from the images, it's all turquoise. Yeah, and I'm a big fan it's, of turquoise. It's, well, it's, it's their Tiffany blue box. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a Tiffany exactly. Blue. Tiffany blue is. Oh, I'm, I'm I pretty bought. Sure I a bought Tiffany's color. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, oh, you've bought Tiffany's. Oh. That's a present. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Many years ago. <laughs> Angel lives in a <laughs> Tiffany blue apartment. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, if only. <laughs> To go back one more, we talked about this in a previous podcast, but this this underrated announcement by Apple that they are and their commitment to the retail space. They're now calling their new stores town squares instead of Apple stores. And these are stores that are just loaded with experiences and classes. And it's really no longer about the products, but going there and spending time there and learning about how to code or going to the, I believe it's the Genius Bar is now called the Genius Grove, where it's like a, it's like a garden where you kind of get your tech done and you can learn how to program. And it's, it's just this massive experience. And I would, I believe they're opening one of their first stores in uh, Australia on November 24th, but they also have this and open up like the new Chicago flagship store. And it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's as gorgeous as the iPhone 10. It's just all glass on the waterfront. You can go and hang out. You can, I think they're going to do concerts there. I mean, it's just a, it's a community center. It's a town square. Phenomenal. And they still don't serve coffee. What? Come on. You don't, they don't need to. Oh God. There's always a Starbucks <laughs> nearby. Yeah, Angel God. is just desperate for coffee at, at any moment apparently <laughs> right <laughs> I, I mean the apple stores are uh as i think everybody knows at this point apple is like the large the, the the highest grossing retailer uh, per square foot and they're like i think they're like double tiffany at this point tiffany was like had for the longest time for for like a decade had been the highest grossing per square foot retailer because they sell things like um fake tin cans for a thousand dollars but uh but apple uh just based on you know less so the cost of the products and more the volume of the products that they move um has been highest grossing per square foot and they've you know they brought on angela errands who was the ceo of burberry to really lead their um their retail experience and this is i think the first we're seeing really of uh angela's uh yeah, footprint on on Apple retail, and it's very experiential. It's very uh, open, and um, you know, Apple has always been very low pressure sales. Uh, there's there's always plenty of people there to to talk to you, but they will not uh, pressure you to buy anything. Which uh, is 
just fantastic. I've, I always love going in there because it's, it's not like they are, here's an iPhone shoved down my throat. They're yeah. like, we happen to sell iPhones if you'd like one. I think the biggest, the biggest thing that, that, uh, or note around Apple retail is really that, um, for people who are used to a store, like a Best Buy that you walk into and you walk up, you know, someone tries to sell you something and you're like, yes, I want that thing. Like the, 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 the decentralization of Apple stores, the fact that they're in the newer ones, there's no cash registers. They like anybody can check you out uh, is the thing that I think leads to the most confusion for consumers, but I think is also pointing in the direction for the future for, for all retail. Um, and I think that we're just in a weird transition period that, that Apple is one of the leaders in. Um, and a lot of other retailers will adopt similar strategies going forward that like check out less, uh, retail experience, especially on the high end, sort of the, not even luxury, but just the premium retail space, the experiential retail space is something we're going to see more and more of. Yeah. And I think that just goes to providing, and, I, and this kind of dives into some of our brand takeaways and recommendations, but this VIP experience so that the new standard for retail will be this five to seven star experience where five star is now mediocre. What's that seven star experience? What is that 10 star experience? And how can we bring that into retail stores? So consumers want to go and seek out our stores because they enjoy going to them. Because to your point for Apple, I love going there because I can check out myself. I can check out with them and they Feel, like, I feel like it's like like they educate me on the product, and like, and there and there's no will for them to sell me a product because they like, they make a bonus off of it. It's just like solely pure out of like love is what I feel from it, and it just makes it a better experience just in general. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's some brick and mortar retail. Do you want to talk about grocery at all? A lot going on there with the <laughs> Whole Foods thing. I mean, the one thing we we, we can say is interesting enough. Uh, Instacart's business is booming. With with the announcement from Amazon, we've seen. Uh, I believe Instacart has now signed up more than 165 retail partners for its grocery delivery service, and they had just recently signed up the major chain Kroger. Huge, which is I think yeah. Also, we're, we're definitely seeing an enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, response in relation to everything Amazon does at this point uh, in in across lots of industries but in grocery specifically every all of the other grocery retailers now are uh, working with instacart because uh, they, they they realize delivery is a priority uh, and a lot of them were behind on that and now they feel like they have a very limited amount of time to catch up yeah it's funny I, I saw a mailer in my mailbox for instacart powered by key foods let's go look at that yep makes a lot of sense. And one more note on grocery is that, interestingly enough, the German grocer Aldi, you guys want to say that? Aldi. Aldi. They had announced a $5 billion expansion into the U.S. and they're looking at over 900 stores. But what they, and they made sure the note was that the idea behind this expansion is that they're looking to you know build these more uh, efficient stores that take up less physical space, have lower labor costs, uh, employ a small, but you know, more important tactical operations and that helps them save money and lower prices for their consumers. So like they're going about the strategy in the sense that smaller, more boutique is, is better and that helps drive overall operational efficiency, which then they, they, they can then push these discounted prices for consumers down the line, which makes them more competitive uh, in the grander scheme of things. Yeah. On top of that, I recently came across a company called INS ecosystem, I believe. And essentially they're using blockchain protocol to go straight from the manufacturer to consumer. So decentralizing the middleman. So the retailer essentially becoming more efficient to bring store products, grocery products to the consumer. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the 
fallout of this retail pullback in the U.S. is just we maybe don't need grocery stores that are like 20,000 square feet. Um, and because most of the groceries you need are are can be contained in something that's a quarter or even less of the size of those giant sprawling suburban grocery stores. So uh, it, the combination of that with maybe, you know, same day delivery from a, a warehouse that's a little bit further away for things that are maybe a little more rare turns out like that might actually be a better solution now that we can do things like same day delivery and online ordering yeah and one more note on that is i, I read somewhere and there was a chart saying that when you go into a grocery store it's mapped out so if you actually go into the middle aisles you get lost they're not the necessities all your necessities are around the perimeter also, the healthy food options. Yep, that's what that's what they say. Is shop the outside, so it's amazing. Not the inside. So for, I get the same thing over and over again. So if I could buy it online and get it delivered to me at a low cost, I don't need to go into a grocery store. Right. Well, and and the most of the the things in the center are the CPGs, mm -hmm. right? Um, and <clears throat> what we're seeing is that actually the the thing about CPGs is that they're they're packaged. You don't need to get them directly from the grocery store into your refrigerator. So they actually can be shipped. And and you know Amazon's been chipping away at this with two day shipping for a while. Now they're moving on to one day shipping or same day shipping. Like the fact that that. Uh, you know, other grocery stores can also compete on that level with delivery um, is something that, uh, you know, is, is something that a lot of consumers are not used to. They're not used to uh, shopping uh, for their groceries uh, online. But as we start to shift to a smartphone first generation, more and more people would much prefer to do that uh, than to, uh, you know, wander around a grocery store browsing aisles. Um, and that has significant brand implications for how these CPG companies market to consumers. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's a stirring competition. Shall we go into some brand takeaways, some solutions that we can recommend uh, for the different brands out there today and how they can really uh, look to improve retail and react to retail? So I would say we'll let's go with Adam. You want to kick us off here? <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, I think uh, the biggest takeaway is that brick and mortar retail isn't dying. There's no apocalypse. It's just a pullback. It's just a readjustment to pull what's happening in the U.S. back in line with what's happening uh, more typically globally um, and to adjust to new kinds of consumer behaviors, which are increasingly driven digitally. Angel, comments, thoughts? My takeaway is that retailers should really cons consider or begin to shift to online. But in addition to that, it's also to actually identify who their audiences are. So you begin to target them or personalize messaging to them when they're online or on mobile. I love it. And then for me, I would say, and I've been barking up this tree, the guys at the lab know it a lot, but I just keep saying this VIP is the new standard. So as a retailer, what are you doing to make this seven star experience uh, in your store? Because five stars are, they're like meh nowadays, I would say. And if you're getting below five stars, yikes. But as a retailer, what are you like? What are you looking to do to make this seven to ten star experience that really blows people out of the water? That is hyper personalized and draws them into the stores for that experience. Because I think that's going to really make an impact and make a difference. And that'll how that's how you like you'll keep. Uh, you know, for traffic and these stores alive and well. Okay. Brian Chesky. Yeah. I, that's where I, that's, that's where I, you know, stole that nugget from. So Brian, if, if you're listening, thank you. Also, thank you for subscribing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that's the founder of one of the founders of Airbnb. Right. So, and with that partners, should we talk a little bit about partners and different tech companies that are out there that partners corner, partners corner. Yeah. So every week angel tries to do a segment. 
Hello. Oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> he tries. He yeah. tries. Usually it's two partners, but today there's a treat. There's three partners. And these are partners that retailers should really start exploring or reach out to to get a better understanding. So, so the first partner partners that we're going to talk about are Focal Systems and Standard Cognition. Both companies are using computer vision and machine learning to provide retailers inventory and shelf analytics. But where they differ is that Focal System, they capture data through a tablet-like device that's attached to the shopping cart. So they really focus on out-of-stock detection and indoor location. So store navigation and in-store advertising, depending on where you are, because their technology is actually more accurate than Beacon's. And standard cognition, they capture data through a set of cameras within the retail space, but they focus on vision-based checkout. So similar to Amazon Go, but being able to deploy this to with low cost or... More, TBD cost. Yeah, TBD cost, but providing that Amazon Go type experience. So they're actually testing that today with a few retailers. And the last partner is MParticle. And I'm super bullish on these guys. So essentially, they help retailers that have a mobile app. They are able to aggregate audience data from different sources and create custom audience segments. So retailers can deliver personalized creative based on behavior, based on other data factors, so on and so forth. And the beauty of MParticle is that once they have their SDK integrated into a retailer's app, there's no other SEK needed to integrate other app-related services like Salesforce, AppsFlyer, or SendGrid, or marketing-related platforms such as advertising on Facebook, Snapchat, or Twitter. Um, all these integrations are done through one single API. So it's it's amazing. That sounds opinion. almost too good to be true. It's not. It's not. It's here. It's here. It's alive and well. Awesome. Fantastic. So shall we talk about some fun facts in retail? Yeah. So what, one of my favorite uh, fun facts from this year uh, is that e-commerce in the U.S., obviously, number one is Amazon. Number two is Walmart, which, you know, some people might not know, but it is like pretty obvious if you think hard enough about it. But the su really surprising one is number three. Number three in e-commerce retail in the U.S. Any guesses? Uh, retail e-commerce in the U.S., uh, okay, I'm just going to tell yeah, you. Yeah, just tell me. I've got it's, no idea. It's the, the new combined uh, QVC and Home Shopping Network. So HSN and QVC merged uh, earlier this year, and that combined entity is the number three e-commerce retailer in the U.S., which is something that was not at all intuitive to me, and I think a lot of people would be surprised about. Jesus. Yeah, I was. I'm just. I'm just kind of sitting here thinking. I was. I was thinking. I think maybe like Overstock.com or something like that. Yeah. Or. QVC. Or eBay, maybe? Yeah, e yeah eBay is a big one. <laughs> nope. Uh, QVC, and QVC and HSN together are, are number three. Well, I, I guess that uh, kind of puts some, like their Apple TV connected to yeah, shopping. I, mean, we, I guess that's working. If you haven't visit, visited us in the lab, we use uh, their Apple TV apps, um, their over-the-top streaming apps, as a great example of like them moving into this new space. Because QVC, the, the one thing that could make QVC better, if you like QVC, is just being able to hit one button on your remote and buy whatever's streaming. Um, and that's a thing you can do now on the Apple TV. Did they merge? They, they did. Yeah, they okay. did. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, what an empire. I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it seems like at the time the initial reaction was like, oh, it's like two failing giants from like a previous era are can, you know, combining forces to survive, which is a little bit true, but then at the, the same time the fact that they are number 3 in e-commerce is just in terms of dollar sales, it's just insane. There's a ton of people still shopping that way. And it seems to me like there's a pretty obvious opening there for Amazon, given that they own, obviously, e-commerce, but also have a video platform. That right. seems a pretty... Well, they, did, they, they, they tried with the fashion yep. show. Yep. They, did, they did try, and they shut it down. Style code. Style code, yes. Big failure. But style code was weirdly not available on uh, Fire TV. You had to do it on your computer, which I think was a, a big miss. Partner's Corner Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> no, how about you tell us your fun fact? Oh, man, this one's a good one. Well, did you guys know that 38 million Americans shop on their smartphones in the bathroom? And almost 50% of Americans aged between 18 and 24 are okay with browsing on the bowl. I love that. Wait, only 58%. <laughs> I have questions about the people who are not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really not ever look at your phone while you're on the toilet? I literally all the time. I want to know who those people are. This might be a little too much information, but I listen to my podcast when I'm in the yeah, bathroom. Sure. In the bathroom. Yeah, that makes sense. Great time to answer emails and Slack, you guys, when I go to the bathroom. So the more you know. You got to catch up on those notifications. Yeah, sometime. somehow. Oh. I, get, I get a lot of unread emails. How dirty time are our phones? Oh, your, your phone's incredibly dirty. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really backed up on paperwork. Oh, good one. Yeah. So with that, we talked a lot about retail and the space and what's going on today. However, the space is vast. It is large. And uh, we can't cover it all within the short 30 to 45 minutes. I'm not sure how long we recorded for. So this is just a taste into what uh, is going on in, in the retail space. So if you're looking to really dive in more and learn more about it, uh, please feel free to reach out to us and we're happy to sit back and talk to you about retail literally all day long. We love it. Half day. Half day. (laughs) 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 Not so much love from Angel. So we'll leave you with a popular adage from our Medium blog post on Balance Retail Update. As it says, people may forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. The same holds true for retail experiences. They may eventually forget what they bought, but they will never forget how you make their shopping trips feel. Wow. Touching. Touching. It's true, too. It is. That's what I'm saying. VIP is new experience. It's all related to experiences. But if everyone's a VIP, then who's a VIP? <laughs> and on that note mind blown emoji oh i love that emoji it's so good it's really good also the monocle guy anyways moving on so audience question what is the best retail experience that you have had and why let us know your thoughts you can you know send us an email you can hit us up on our Twitter account, our Instagram account, whatever you like. So for more great content, check out our website, ipglab.com. Social channels are at ipglab, both for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, please check out our Medium blog. Fantastic content there. And if you like what you hear, share with your friends. Spread the good word. You know, Give us a like. Give us a subscription. Give us an iTunes review. Whatever you can. Feel free to stop us in the hallway and take a picture. I'm yeah, okay with that. That's fine with us, too. Let us know if you think t-shirts would be a good idea for swag. I don't know. Um, But with that, thank you for listening and enjoy your week. Bye.